It is so fabulous to see you here this morning. And by the way, would you do us a favor and welcome everyone who's joining us on live right, line right now. So excited, so thankful that so many people who can't be here are tuning in with us each week. Well, I'm excited about this message series, Multiply, because God has given to us as his followers the ministry of multiplication. And there's a lot of ways that we can be used by God for God to multiply. And this week I was tuning in with the convocation worship experience there at Liberty University. On, I think it was on Wednesday. Our daughter Hope had the honor of helping lead the worship there, the musical worship that she gets to do from time to time with Liberty Worship Collective. And they had as uh, some of their guests a guy who likes to play basketball. Any basketball fans in the house? All right. Any NBA fans? Okay. They had a guy that is a is, is, is pretty, pretty good player. His name's Steph Curry. Anybody ever heard of him, Steph Curry? Yeah. This guy is a credible basketball player, but he's a very devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And as the lights are coming down, I thought it would be kind of cool for you to hear firsthand Steph Curry talk about what it means in his life to follow Jesus and how basketball matches with that. Check it out. Yeah, first, thank you uh, to Liberty for having me. This is an amazing opportunity to be here. Uh, having seen my brother be here for a little bit and obviously know Chris for almost 10 years now. Um, and hear him talk about Liberty and his experience here. It's amazing to kind of be here and feel the love and the vibe uh, and the passion for Christ that's here. So uh, commend you guys on, on creating that kind of culture environment. Um, and a part of that is as you know, just being you know, confident in your abilities and the, the platform that God's given you um, in life and using that platform to shine light you know, back to Him, that's the only reason I, I feel like I do what I do and I've been blessed with the talents to do what I do. Um, and so that hopefully is, you know, first and foremost, when you watch me play, you see that light shine through. Uh, you see the joy that I have for what I do um, and the perspective, like I said, that um, whether it's you know, like the sign after I make a shot or uh, the verses that I write on my shoes every day. The Lord's blessed me with these talents to, to do something special, um, but it's not about me. And, you know, that is something that uh, I want to, my, my career and my life to be a reflection of is his love and his, his, uh, his grace and mercy. Um, whether, you know, I'm winning games, missing, or losing games, making shots, missing shots, it's all about uh, giving glory to God. How cool is that? Did you hear what he said a couple of different times that he's, God's given him this platform and this platform for him is basketball. Now he's a really good basketball player and he's got a really big platform. Can we thank God that he uses that platform to tell people and to show people about Jesus? Pretty awesome. But did you know that you too have a platform? God has entrusted to you a platform, and the purpose of that platform is to share Jesus, to have this incredible role of being part of the ministry of multiplication, multiplying, making disciples. Now, again, your platform might not be the same as Steph Curry's, but you've got a platform, a hobby, something you enjoy doing, like gardening. Any gardeners in the house? You like, okay, that's cool. Or maybe it's uh, tennis, maybe it's golf, maybe 
it's fishing, perhaps it's biking, maybe it's you know, restoring old cars or something like that, or, or perhaps it's some type of art. You like to paint or you like to do sculptures, whatever it is, everyone has a platform and God wants you to take that platform and that passion and use it to promote his life and love to everyone because he's given to us the ministry of multiplication. Everybody say multiply. multiply. Did you know the first commandment in scripture given to Adam and Eve was to multiply? The scripture says in the book of Genesis chapter 1, be fruitful and multiply. The early church was given the ministry of multiplication. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, he reminded his disciples they were to multiply. And in Acts chapter 1, a group of about 120 people gathered, waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. So there's 120 of them. But look what happened in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came. The scripture says about 3,000 were added to their number. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, the scripture talks about how in Judea and Galilee and Samaria, the church was being built up and it increased in numbers. Acts 16.5, the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. That early church multiplied and because that church multiplied, we're gathered here today worshiping the Lord Jesus and People all around the world have or will be celebrating the life and love of Jesus Christ because that handful of followers of Christ were faithful in the ministry of multiplication. That's pretty cool. Let me ask you a question. Okay, if we're going to clap, let's clap. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, here we go. How are you doing in your life, if you're a follower of Christ, with the ministry of multiplication? Are you multiplying spiritually? Who is on their way to heaven? Because God used you to point them to Jesus. In fact, all of us are here today because someone multiplied. I want to take a quick survey. If you would, if you're a follower of Christ, please participate with an uplifted hand if this applies to you. How many of you became a follower of Jesus Christ while perhaps watching someone on television or listening to some type of broadcast on radio. Raise your hand. You, you look around the room. That's cool. That's fantastic. How many of you became a Christ follower because someone perhaps showed up at your house and they told you about Jesus? Look around the room. That's great. Raise them high. Raise them real high. That's fantastic. How many of you became a follower of Jesus Christ perhaps uh, at something like a vacation Bible school or a church camp? Raise your hand. I've got my hand up with that one. Yeah, that's cool. There's a whole lot of us. That's wonderful. How many of you became a follower of Jesus Christ because a friend or family member brought you to a church service at a local church? Raise your hand. Okay, hold them up, hold them up. Look around the room, look around the room, look around the room. What do you see, class? You see a lot of hands. What does that tell us? What does that tell us? Yeah, we need to multiply and we shouldn't come to church alone, should we? Because if we're coming to church alone, it's Highly probable we're going to go to heaven, uh, to, to heaven alone. And God doesn't want any of us to go to heaven alone. And he sure doesn't want people to go to hell. And so that's why the ministry of multiplication is so important. And we have been planted strategically right here in Nopo, Florida, to have the ministry of multiplication. Or perhaps you are a snowbird while you're here. That's what God's called you to do. And you go back up north then that's what you do up there. We would love for you just to stay year-round as far as us year-rounders are concerned. So just join us year-round. Forbes Magazine published 
recently America's fastest growing cities in 2017. This is very interesting. Four out of the top five of those cities, six out of the top 10, nine out of the top 20 are cities in Florida, the Sunshine State. And NOPO, Sarasota, and Bradenton is the sixth fastest growing city in the country. So, look to your neighbor and say, we've got a big job to do. We've got a big job to do. Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have a Bible, please turn there, page 832 in the Bible and see straight in front of you. And while you're turning there, your raised hand confirmed the reports that I recently came across that 96%, 96% of the people who become a follower of Jesus Christ do so because a friend or a family member brought them to church. 96%. And obviously, the surveys reveal in our own gathering today that that's the case. Well, the Apostle Paul, writing to young Timothy, is reminding him that he has the ministry of multiplication, as you and I do as well. Second Timothy chapter 1, Paul encourages young Timothy to stir his faith up, that the Holy Spirit of God stir up the gift that he has within you. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, even this moment in my own life, Lord, stir it up in my heart. He also encourages them, don't be afraid. Because he says, Timothy, the Lord's not the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. We came to 2 Timothy 2, 1 last week. He said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That phrase, be strong, means to be empowered. Everybody say, be empowered. empowered. So he says, by the way, you be empowered in the grace found in Christ. We came to Christ by grace. God given to us what we don't deserve. And we'll continue in the journey by grace in Christ. So that be strong there in the original language is the idea, as we talked about last week, that the source was not in himself, but in the grace in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit gives us the power for the mission and the ministry of multiplication. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Commitment to be strong. And then he says, okay, or the command to be strong, there's a commitment to share. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men, this is verse 2, who will also be qualified to teach others. So now Paul has given us the math for the ministry of multiplication. There's four generations there. We talked about this last week, and I want to ask my friends to come on up and join me on stage. Give it up for these men gathering right now on the platform. Just come on up, guys. Because all of us have been given the ministry of multiplication, and Mr. Leap here, my friend, since about 1999, is going to resemble the Apostle Paul. Doesn't he look like the Apostle Paul? Yeah, great man of God. Love him and his sweet wife so very much. And then my friend, Bensley who is a great follower of Christ. He's a brand new police officer in Fort Myers. How cool is that? We're so proud of him. God's using him. He's going to represent Timothy. So everybody say, hey, Timothy. All right. Then we got my friend Barry right here. Barry is a wonderful man of God. About a year ago, he chose to follow Jesus here at Southwest Canyon Church. We love him so much. And Barry is going to represent those in the passage the scripture calls faithful men. Everybody say, hey, faithful men. 
Yeah, there you go. And then down here on the end, we've got Kevin Kelleher, which is the son of Lisa and Barry Kelleher. And he is eight years old. And this young man is a great young man of God. He is representing others. Everybody say others. 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 So he says, now, Paul, what you've seen and heard of, he says, Timothy, what you've seen and heard of me, Paul's saying this, and trust of faithful men. And again, the idea of faithful men there talks about commitment, character, and competency. Now, there's a lot in this. I've got to keep moving. But the idea there is Paul is saying to Timothy, when he, that word faithful, don't waste your time with people who aren't serious. That's basically what he is saying there, all right? you got to have some folks who are serious about their growth with Christ. And, and certainly Ben is, so he's representing the faithful man. And then others, the, the, or, or Timothy, and then others who are these faithful men. He says, hey, get the real deal guys. And again, this man is the real deal. And then pass it on to others. So my Bible, representing the gospel, is going to show us how we're to pass the faith along. So Mr. Leap, if you don't mind, just pass it on to Timothy. Timothy is going to pass it on to the reliable witnesses, reliable men, and Barry. Stop right there, please. Is passing? No, no, no. Go ahead. Keep it. All right, no. Stop right there. Hand, hand, hand together. There you go. We didn't practice this. Right. <laughs> this is literally happening in their life. This, this, this is happening right now. All right. Thank you. All right, so take it on, Kevin. Just hold it right there, Kevin. Don't you like a great young man right there? Isn't he awesome? Now watch this. Because one day, if the normal patterns of life occur, Mr. Leap, whom I deeply love, will go to be with Jesus. Amen. My friend Ben will go to be with Jesus. But if, if, if life is, you know, tracks go as it would normally go so mr leap's gone i'm gone ben's still here and he's got to pass that faith along same thing with my friend here barry we're all, we're off the scene but barry's here he passed the faith along and one day again if if if, if history goes as normal little cabin here will be left on the earth doing prayerfully what his dad and mother have done for him and what others have done for us, passing the faith along. Now, this is why at South Biscayne Church, we take this seriously. Because this is what it's all about right here. Now, like, what, about, what about spiritual growth? Jump into our growth track on Wednesday nights. You will get the basics, the fundamentals of the faith on what it means to follow Jesus Christ. You will be able to, to replicate to duplicate just exactly this what we're called here the ministry of reputation reputation ministry of multiplication <laughs> something really cool though this week let me tell you a story about a little cabin here lisa's mom if we can have the picture there and we're in the cabin we're visiting this uh, past i think it was sunday and lisa posted this on instagram while cabin was sharing his bible lesson from a small group this morning I noticed this picture tucked in his Bible. He said, Miss Julie asked the class to draw a picture of someone who serves the Lord. He drew his daddy 
and added that he drew himself because he's always with him. So you see dad, and by the way, his dad blows the parking lot off and does a ton of work in our church. There's the word, the word of God between him. There's little cabin, me, up on the rock with his dad. His mom said, I'm thankful cabin sees his daddy serving the Lord every day. Can somebody thank God? That's what it's all about. Proud of you guys, thank you. Go ahead, man, let's make your way back. Thank you. Give it up for these guys. Didn't do a great job? That is what it's all about. So Southwest Gate Church, that's what we're about, passing the faith along. The ministry of multiplication. And by the way, parents, it starts at home. It starts at home. It's our job as parents and as grandparents. And Paul is trying to challenge us to be faithful in this ministry. However, he gives us three illustrations on how we can have the positive results in the ministry of multiplication. Look at verses two and following, but it's gonna remind us, it's extraordinarily difficult, but it has extremely high reward. I would believe what we're about to read is why most individuals aren't multiplying, or at least in, in large part. I love you, thank God for you, glad you're here. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God didn't call you just to come to church. He brought you to bring people with you. I'm going to say that again until some more say amen. If you're a follower of Christ, he didn't call you to come by yourself. He called you to bring others with you. And it's hard. It's hard to multiply. And it's not just about bringing, but it's also about discipling and helping them grow and mature in their faith. Again, that's why we do what we do with our weekend worship experiences, our growth track, community life groups, student ministry, children's ministry, and so forth and so on. So Paul here gives us three illustrations very quickly about the ministry of multiplication. He says, now verse number two, enjoy, is that what it says? Come on, talk back to me. Got your Bible open? Please look down. You don't need to take my word for it. Look what it says. What does it say? Talk back. What does it say? Do you have your Bible open? All right. What does it say? Say it with me, class. Endure. Oh, there's, there's where a lot of us lose it right there. I don't want to go into things difficult. Are you kidding me? I want to take it easy, man. I'm at a stage in my life where I want to kind of kick back and take it easy spiritually. No, Paul says endure. Now look what the next word is, hardship. In other words, it's going to be tough. Now again, any version of Christianity that tells you follow Jesus, everything's going to be fine is not biblical Christianity. He says enjoy hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So the first illustration Paul gives us on what it's like to be faithful in the ministry of multiplication is a soldier. What do soldiers do? They fight. Soldiers are involved in war. Verse 3, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. That's very important. Throughout the writings of the Apostle Paul, the scripture compares following Jesus to being a soldier. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual warfare. And if you're going to live for Jesus, he says, it's not, a, it's not a flesh and blood. It's not a me versus you kind of battle. But it's a spiritual battle. And doing what we're doing, I mean, I'm talking right this second. Doing what we're doing is warfare. 
Because the evil, the evil one hates what we're talking about. He knows if he can get you distracted, me distracted, in any way, in any regard, then we're going to miss out on doing what Jesus has called us to do, and that is to help populate heaven and depopulate hell by keeping people from going to hell. And the ministry of multiplication is about expanding the kingdom. And so the Apostle Paul says, you've got to fight. You've got to fight. Now again, it's, the scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So greater is he is in us than he that is in the world. So the wonderful news is that Christ fighting in us and through us, but you've got to stay dialed in. And soldiers are enlisted, they're equipped, and they're empowered, and they're excluded. Look at that phrase, from civilian affairs. Soldiers are focused. Soldiers are committed to the cause. Soldiers get up early, they stay late. Soldiers go through boot camp before they go to battle. And my dear friend, that's what our growth track's about. That's what prayer's about. That's what reading the Word of God's about. That's what getting connected and serving is about. You're going through spiritual boot camp because you're going to go to battle if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And the scripture here is very clear that a soldier cannot get tangled up in the junk and the funk of this life and still fight at the same time. So, how does that play out? Imagine a soldier has his commanding officer or her, officer or her commanding officer say, Hey, come on, it's time to go to battle. I'm kind of tired. We did that yesterday. I don't really feel like fighting today. Hang on, I'm updating my Facebook. Can I tweet this? We're headed out to battle right now. Sorry, I'm busy playing Call of Duty, which is a video game. I'm so tired of playing games that I can't get involved in the battle. Are you with me, church? I'm so caught up in playing church that I'm not being the church. I'm so caught up going through the motions and I've gotten caught up in the commotion and even the emotion that I've forgotten that I am supposed to have some devotion. Somebody help me preach. Somebody call a taxi. I heard a great old school preacher the other day. He loves that phrase. When he gets fired up, he says, somebody call me a taxi. I like that. Not sure what it means. I just think he's getting excited. <laughs> Friend of mine said, no, for us younger folks, just call me an Uber. But anyway, <laughs> we're supposed to be fighting. And Paul says, don't get tangled up in the affairs of life. Jesus said that too. In Mark's gospel, chapter 4, he gives for us what is often called the parable of the soils. He talks about a farmer who goes out and sows seed. Verse 4, he says, some of that seed falls on the path. Some, verse 5, rocky places. Verse 7, some among thorns. Verse 9, or verse 8, some among the good soil. But it's interesting that he says, as he's interpreting what this parable means, in verse 18, still others, like seed sown among thorns, here's the word. Everybody say, here's the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Do you hear what Jesus said? They go to church. They hear the word of God. The word of God is the seed. The gospel is the seed. And that seed goes out. And the bottom line is, if you were to study the rest of that parable, basically one out of four gets it. 
One out of four, everybody say one out of four. 25%. That's an interesting statistic that I'll keep on moving on, but just think about that. Let that rotate in your mind for a moment. About a quarter of, of the, the, those who heard the seed and where the seed fell and it showed some type of involvement, some type of growth, only about a fourth went. Now, the one that, that did bring forth fruit, the scripture, Jesus said it multiplied. It brought all kinds of good fruit. But look at, back at the problems. Verse 19, look at it, please. The worries of this life. You know why a lot of us don't multiply? Like the soldier we gets caught, who, who should not get caught up in the civilian affairs. We get caught up in the civilian affairs. We get caught up in the worries of this life. Some of us are worry warts. And some of us worry when we don't have anything to worry about. Because things are so so going so well that we worry that something bad's about to happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The worries of this life. Do I have enough money? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? All this stuff. And just the cares of this life. And in the meantime, Jesus told us in John, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to us. The soldier's got to stay focused on it. There's deceitfulness of wealth. Make all I can, get all I can, keep all I can. There's enough. There's a whole message. The desires for other things, whatever it is, whatever those other things are, and they choke out the word. Paul says, no, the soldier's got to please his commanding officer. The second illustration he gives for us very quickly is the athlete. Verse 5, similarly, we're talking about a how to be a minister of multiplication here. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul's talking about how difficult it is. It's difficult to be a soldier. It's difficult to be an athlete. Is that not true? I mean, athletes have to work. And Paul used athletic examples in his letters. He talks about boxing, running, wrestling. In the South, we say wrestling. And... And he talks about exercising. All of them make me tired. But anyway, <laughs> Paul said, it's like being an athlete. Now, I know that I'm not an athlete, never have been much of an athlete. I did get to play high school football my junior and senior years. And our coach had the ability to have us doing things that mentally I didn't think I could do. You know why? Because he was trying to strengthen us. He was trying to toughen us up. We got beat up, you know, boxing or blocking and tackling and all those drills and the blocking sled and all that stuff and that huge heat in the morning, those, those what we call those two-a-days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, where you go from what was like 7 to 10 in the morning and from 3 to 6 in the afternoon. So that's six hours a day with a break in between. I mean, after a couple of weeks of that, uh, you, know what I'm, you know, I mean, it was tough. But what did that do? That was conditioning us for the season. And that's what the scripture says as athletes, we have to do because we've got to be strengthened. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, train yourself to be godly. He told Timothy that. You got to train yourself. What is the training? It's spiritual disciplines. What are the spiritual disciplines? Reading the word of God, prayer, sharing your faith, serving, putting God first financially, uh, and, and being involved in the local church. I mean, those are the loving your wife like Christ loved the church, following the leadership of your husband, loving your kids, kids honoring your parents. I mean, the list goes on and on. The basic fundamentals of faith. He says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, I don't have time for this because we got to keep rolling. But 
we do need to take care of ourselves physically. But the scripture here is very clear that it's more important that we take care of ourselves spiritually. And again, I want to reiterate that it's not an excuse not to take care of ourselves. Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives within us. So it's a good thing to take care of our bodies. The scripture teaches that. However, we need to focus ultimately and put most of our offensive energy in doing those spiritual disciplines. But look what happens. He says, now when the athlete competes, he's got to compete according, look at verse 5, according to the rules. We live in a culture that doesn't like rules. We just don't like rules. We have a culture where people have got authority issues. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I mean, this is not going to tell me what to do. You know, we got, again, a police officer right down here. Mr. Ben, Officer Bensley. Man, he pulls you over. You know, I wasn't speeding. And by the way, and then you're trying to justify the speeding. Or you break a law and you're telling him, no, you're trying to justify. We should not do that. Again, can we thank God for those who are our first responders who do such a great job protecting us, serving us. But where I come from, oh, yeah, nobody's going to tell me what to do. No, no, no. I'm my own boss. It's all about me. Now, we don't say that, but we act that way. Who are you to tell me what to do? None of your business. You stay in your own life. No, Paul says you've got to play according to the rules. And when we play according to the rules, that means we've got to stay in life. Athletes have to play according to the rules. If they don't, they get disqualified. I'm not jamming them, but think about Pete Rose. Great baseball player, but gambling ultimately brought him down. How about Lance Armstrong? Again, a great cyclist, but he became disqualified. How about Marion Jones, a phenomenal Olympian, but again, due to steroids, disqualified. Now, this is something you need to understand about rules and the Word of God. God's Word is about relationships relationship with the Lord but in those rules he's given us those rules because of the relationship he's given us boundaries because here's the deal anytime God says no he knows what's behind the no and he wants you to know that the no is there to give you protection to give you help, to give you hope. He wants that no to show you that he's got something better for you. That's why the no is there. He knows what's ahead. Anytime he says yes, he is saying, help yourself to my best. He is saying, I want you to experience joy and fulfillment and satisfaction of the soul. So anytime God says no, he knows what's behind the no. Anytime he says yes, he said, help yourself to the best. And Paul helps us to remind it that if we're going to have part in the ministry of multiplication, we've got to play according to the rules. Lest we become disqualified. And I pray by God's grace, I'm never disqualified. And I pray the same for your life. Because all of us have the ministry of multiplication. And then finally, look at this last phrase in verse number six. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, Paul described the church as a field in 1 Corinthians 3. Some plant, some sow, some water. God gives the increase, but that's what farmers do. They've got to 
clear the land, then they plow up, plow up the land, and then they plant the seed in the soil, and then they pray for rain, right? And they harvest. It is hard work. Farmers start way early in the morning before the sun's up and very often are not home until after the sun's down. It is very, very hard work. Now, growing up in the country like I did, uh, my dad and mom thought that one way to keep us out of trouble was to, to have a really big garden. And when I say a big garden, I don't mean one the size of this platform. I don't mean the one the size of this room. I don't even mean one the size of this building. This building is 52,000 square feet, one acre. No, we had acres in our garden. I'm serious. Now, my parents had this strategic plan when we were kids, grade school age. I'm talking like, seriously, like second grade. I can remember all the way back that far at least. In the summer, then what do you do after you've plowed and planted for the, for the, uh, for the harvest? Then you get to go out and you get to pull weeds to keep the weeds out. How many know gardens don't need weeds, right? And you can pick the butter beans or the, the uh, green beans, or the peas, you can pull the corn, you can cut the okra, cut the tomatoes off, etc., etc., etc. So we would do that all day long. And my sisters and I are all three years apart. So you can imagine the conversations that took place out there on who was doing what, and who was pulling the most you know, weeds up, and who was picking the most, and all those kind of things. But the bottom line is, this wasn't easy. And then we'd come in from the, the day of work, and we would take a shower, enjoy dinner and then after that we would do something else we would if it was depending on again what we're doing but if it was you know peas and cornbread or peas and cornbread you can tell i'm hungry if it was if it was peas and butter beans then we would shell them how many know what it means to shell peas and to shell wow this this crowd's not quite as city fight as i thought yeah man we would shell the peas and, and snap the green the pole beans and all that stuff and and then shuck the corn outside and then my mom, we had a little factory going there in her house. She, she would, uh, you know, freeze some of the vegetables. And then some of it she would can. Now, I'm not talking about a metal can. I'm talking about a mason jar. You know, I'm talking about mason jar with a pressure cooker. Anybody know what a pressure cooker is? We were drinking out of mason jars in my house long before these restaurants thought they'd be hip and cool and be retro and give you a mason jar to drink out of so you could act like you're from the country, all right? <laughs> and seriously, we, I'm, so that's, that's, that, those are my roots. It wasn't fun. It was hard work. However, the scripture does say here in the book of 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, the farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So man alive, it wasn't fun, but boy, as those crops would come in and we had those fresh vegetables for dinner in the late summer and the fall time, that was good stuff. And then in the winter, when it's cold outside, the land is desolate, my mom pull out some of those vegetables from the freezer, thaw them out, and you'd think you're back in August, but it's February. We enjoyed the fruit of the labor, but it was hard work. Paul says, the ministry of multiplication is like being a farmer. And farmers get up early and stay up late, and it is very hard work. But the fruit, oh man, is worth it. You know one of the greatest things, I, joys I have as a pastor, serving the Lord Jesus with you, is seeing Jesus changing lives. 
We're all farming together. And we see what Jesus is doing in this man's life and this, 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 this lady's life. And some of the stories I know better than others because of the, the journey that we're on together. Some of these men that, that I've had the joy of, of walking beside and, and, and prayerfully discipling and pouring into. And, and, and then obviously there's so many different people. And there's, there's ladies in our church. There's kids in our church. There's students in our church. And I have the honor to the glory of God, by the grace of God, of seeing how Jesus is operating in the ministry of multiplication, and it fires me up. I just got a text this week about one of our girls who's here on the stage. She's going to be serving at our friend, Pastor David Hughes Church, Church by the Glades, uh, this summer as an intern. It's going to be really, really cool to see them going out, serving the Lord. We're proud of her, Elizabeth Tenpow. It's kind of cool to see a pure young girl playing the bass guitar, T-Rod's daughter, uh, T-Rod and Heather's daughter, Alyssa, who just got back from South Africa, and she's been following Jesus and since she came to this church as just a little, little kid. That's pretty, do, 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 does, does that get you fired up too? God is working. The ministry of the multiplication is happening, and that should be exciting. Nothing more exciting than that. But it's hard work. That's why a lot of parents don't do it at home. A lot of grandparents don't do it for their grandkids. And that's why a lot of churches are far more content to be mindful of those who are already convinced and who are already in the family of faith than to do what Jesus said to do. When he said in Luke 10, the fields are white to harvest, but the labors are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers in his field. So that's what we're going to do as we close out today. Would you bow your head for prayer? Would you pray? Lord, help me to endure as a soldier and not get tangled up in the affairs of this life and get distracted. Lord, help me to run, to win, and by your strength, obey the regulations and not become disqualified. Lord, give me the endurance of a farmer. And Lord, raise up laborers for your harvest field. The fields are white. Forbes magazine reminded us of that in our own region. But let me just be transparent. The laborers are few. And we're on the same page as every gospel preaching church in Southwest Florida. And we're united together. But if all of us were at capacity with multiple services, there's still tens of thousands who need Jesus. So it's going to take all of us doing what God's called us all to do. In South Biscayne, God wants to continue to use you to do our part locally around our state, our nation, and world. So if you this morning want to join me as your pastor, 
because this is something that's heavy on my heart to be faithful in the ministry of multiplication would you just pray and say Lord Jesus I want to do what I've what you've called me to do and would you start praying for people you know who need Jesus because discipleship should start because someone has been evangelized a lot of people I know who are concerned about discipleship oftentimes are concerned about evangelism remember the essence of evangelism is discipleship the end of a discipleship is evangelism so it's all about reproduction so it starts with evangelism us leading people to Christ and then helping them grow mature in him that's what it's about so would you begin to pray about who you should be investing in inviting to be part of what God wants to do in their lives of coming to know Jesus your friends, your family, your neighbors. And let's get to work and bring people with us next week. And Easter's coming, but we don't need to wait till then. Let's go ahead and start inviting now for this weekend. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And he gave his life on the cross because we're all sinners. And he loves you so much that he died, was buried, and he rose again as we sing about. And the scripture says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. So right here, right now, would you call on his name? By simply praying, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your forgiveness. And today I want to place my faith and hope and trust in you. Would you pray that? And today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me to turn from myself and from my sin. And I want to follow you. And if you'll pray that, the Bible says whoever calls in his name will be saved. And if you just prayed that prayer, would you take out that three-by-five card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it in, drop it in your offering bag? Or would you text us, my amen, to 0300? Just send us a text. Or you can email us. And one of our team, or one of our leaders will be delighted to get in touch with you. Or you can go through the double doors to the right as you leave. And there's folks there who'll be delighted to answer questions on what it means to follow Jesus. So would you do that this morning? Father, I thank you for your word. I pray right now that you would burden our hearts with the excitement of being faithful in the ministry of multiplication. Help us to endure as a soldier, an athlete, and as a farmer so that for all of eternity, we get to celebrate your victories. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all the church said... Amen.